Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship, Cyprus, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. We are currently celebrating the Advent season together as a church, remembering the story of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of God's promise and prophecies. We pause to reflect on His arrival and long for His glorious return. Good morning. My name is A.K. Kurivala. I'm one of the pastors here at Bayou City Fellowship. The reason I introduce myself is because I'm not a common fixture here at this pulpit. As we continue to worship God, please turn with me to Luke chapter 1, and we'll look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, often referred to as the Annunciation or the Announcement, uh, depicted in art, typically medieval art and so on, so... It is the beginning of the Christmas story. About three weeks ago, my wife and I became grandparents for the third time. Now, as part of this, uh, we had to take care of two older grandkids, ages four and two, for three days while the parents were in the hospital to bring home the baby. Having been a while since we had cared for four-year-olds and (laughs) two-year-olds, we were given a spiral-bound instruction manual. (laughs) It listed everything. Uh, The time they wake up, how long they snuggle before breakfast, uh, time to depart to preschool, and so on. You know, lunchbox, snack box, water bottle, and we got it down. It was perfect because there was instructions for everything. Now, we were also instructed in the use of car seats. Uh, 30 years ago, it was a much simpler little device, I guess, one click and it was done. Uh, Now it's quite different. We learned that things have changed. Uh, You've got to make sure that the chest harness clip is at the right level. In fact, when we had a FaceTime with the parents, they said, oh, that's a little too low. We got to raise that up. (laughs) Well, needless to say, we learned a lot. We also learned why God gives kids when we are young. Now, Ruthie Joy's arrival uh, a month ago was a usual arrival. There was a usual announcement, a usual arrival. Why? Because there was an identifiable father and a mother. There is physical union, there is conception, and there is birth. What happens if there is something unusual about it all? Will the baby then be unusual? And that is what we're going to find out as we look at Luke chapter 1. Verses 26 through 38. And as with all narratives, as we hear his word or as we read it, we look for a few things. Does it tell us anything that we need to know about God? Does it tell us anything that we need to know about ourselves? Does it need tell us anything that we need to know about life in this fallen world? And does it tell us anything that we need to know about how faith works, how grace works. Those are the kinds of things we would typically look at as we uh, look through a narrative. So let's find out. Verses 26 and 27. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So the sixth month there refers to the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy that we saw last week. And we heard about that miracle, how a couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth, who were old in age, were still able to have a baby. 
that Elizabeth conceived was a miracle. Now, the same miracle-working God is sending the same angel Gabriel to Mary. Christmas, the coming of Jesus, begins with God. Now, the God of this universe, the God who created the universe, who is outside of this universe, chooses to step into our physical world, step into our world of space and time. This great I am that I am, always existing, unchanging, infinitely powerful, infinitely loving God, chose to come down willingly to live with us. Fully human, fully divine. He chose to do that so that he could save us. Now that is the miracle and the mystery of Christmas. And that's what we see in this passage. How did that come about? A couple of things to note here. First, uh, this is a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. Engaged or espoused, or betrothed, those would be the terms that you'll find in our translations. Now, betrothal is a formal state of engagement, a little different from the way we normally see engagement in our culture, where two individuals agree, and, and, and that is engagement. Betrothal would be a more formal kind of, uh, kind of agreement. It would be the first stage in a Jewish marriage, which would then be followed up with the actual marriage itself, which might even be one year later. It is a more formal arrangement and an agreement. A couple of months ago, our youngest son, he popped a question and got engaged. Now, if he grew up in a culture that his parents grew up in, uh, there would be a formal betrothal ceremony. Two families come together and agree that this marriage will take place. So that's the idea, and it's therefore different from the way we would perceive engagement in our culture. So Mary was betrothed to Joseph. It also says that Joseph was a descendant of David, the great king. He could be a king, or his descendants could be a king. So what's going to happen to this union? Is that going to produce a king? Verses 28 through 30. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at the statement and kept wondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So Mary has found favor, uh, a, a pursuing with grace, uh, honored with blessing, the Lord is with you. That's what the angel says. And what kind of greeting is this? And, and Mary is obviously perplexed, and she keeps pondering, and the angel tells her, do not be afraid. Fear not, because you have found favor with God. So here's a virgin who's found favor with God. Verses 31 through 33. What is this favor all about? And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. You are going to conceive and bear a son. You shall name him Jesus. Notice Mary doesn't have a choice in the name. Uh, she is told this will be the name uh, that uh, you, this will be the name for the boy that you'll conceive. Uh, and his name will be Jesus, Jesus, Ye Yeshua, Joshua, the idea being Yahweh saves 
or God saves. So the son is going to have something to do with God and salvation. And then you have this beautiful description of who the son will be. First, we find that he will be great. He will be great, great in some way, but it just says great. Second, we find that he is the son of the Most High. There may be many sons on earth, but this is the Son of God. He will be more divine. uh, There will be none more divine on earth than Jesus because he will be called the Son of God. Third, we find that he will be a king. Notice the, the, the kingdom language here. Will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign and his kingdom will have no end. Throne, reign, kingdom, so that this baby is going to be a king. Now, generally, we don't like the idea of a, a king ruling us. In fact, we don't like anybody to tell us what to do. Now, uh, we prefer democracy. We like to be participants in, in the ruling process. Now, we may like, some of us may like all the pomp and circumstances goes with royalty, but typically we are not in favor of a monarchy because that would be having somebody ruling over us who is just as fallen and sinful like us. So we, we, we kind of, we kind of uh, resent that idea, so we like a more participative form of government. Now, what if we have a king who is not like us? What if we have a king who is infinitely wise, who is infinitely powerful to save us, who is infinitely good, who is limitless in his love for us? What if we have a king like that? I would say I would be willing to give up my right to vote for a king like that, wouldn't you? Who is infinite in his power, his love, and his goodness toward us. There will be no king more divine than Jesus. Fourth, we find that he will not just be another king, but he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. The king was promised since the call of Abraham. God has promised, and this, the, he's been working out things over a long, long period of time. In fact, in Isaiah 11, 1 through 3, we read this. Uh, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, David's father, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. It's a promise of a coming king from the house of David. So this has been promised, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. He came as a Jew, but his kingdom will have no end. It will outlast every other kingdom on earth. There will be no successor, no election. He will be king forever. And he will be different from every other king we know because empires come to an end, kingdoms come to an end, they change. But this king, the king of kings and the lord of lords is going to be reigning forever and ever. The fifth thing we note that comes out of verse 35 is the, 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 the child, the holy child shall be called the son of God, tells us that this baby will be holy. He will be completely different and set apart, pure and good and without any blemish. Therefore, he will be a perfect sacrifice for us. And he will also be a flawless king because he is no blemish. He will be the holy son of God. Now, how can this happen? 
And that's the question that Mary asked. How can this happen? Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? I haven't had sexual relationship with anyone. How am I going to conceive and have a baby? This would have rocked Mary's world. So it was a good question. How is this going to happen? Is this all possible? How can it be? Verse 36, verse 35. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. The fatherhood of this baby is going to be absolutely unique. There is a child with no biological human father. That's what's going to happen. He is the Son of God Himself. It will be miraculous, powerful working of the Holy Spirit that is going to bring about this conception. It is going to be an absolute miracle, an absolute impossibility from our human standpoint. Verse 36. Uh, and behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. God has already worked a miracle in your relative. And Gabriel announced and saw that the miracle was going to work. Elizabeth is conceived in her old age, and she who could not have a child is now pregnant. That's the miracle. And Gabriel, who announced that to Elizabeth, uh, to Zacharias, is the same Gabriel that's announcing now to Mary. And then we have in verse 37 this reassuring verse, for nothing will be impossible with God. He is a God of the impossibilities. Nothing will be impossible. So that is the announcement as we read it. Now, let us track Mary's response as this announcement comes to her from Gabriel. In verse 29, we find that she is perplexed. She was very perplexed at the statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this is. Strange announcement. Uh, doesn't make any earthly sense because that's not what usually happens. And so she kept thinking. Now verse 30 also suggests to us she may have been afraid because the angel said to her, do not be afraid. So she may have had some sense of fear. So that was the initial reaction. And in verse 34 she asks, how can this be since I am a virgin? Interesting. She didn't ask the question that Zacharias asked Gabriel. Zacharias asked Gabriel, how can I know for certain that this will be the case? And Gabriel probably thought, what a dumb question. Well, you remain dumb until your son is born. No, I took some, I took some license there. That's not in the text. <laughs> Except for the fact that he was dumb till his son was born. So uh, that was Gabriel's, that was Zacharias' response. How can I know for certain? Now, Mary's response is something different, which is what we see in verse 38. And Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Now, some translations may have it handmade. The word translated bond slave is the complete opposite of 
freedom or somebody who is free. A bond slave is one who gives himself or herself wholly to another's will. There is a devotion to somebody else's will. And in other words, Mary is saying, I am wholly and completely devoted to your will, to what you want. So if I am, for example, a bond slave of Pastor Jeremiah, the only thing I would be concerned about would be what Pastor Jeremiah wants. That's all that matters to me, nothing else. I would be completely devoted as a bond slave to this particular person. So she was completely yielded to God and wanted to be a part of what God was doing. The scriptures are not explicit, but maybe, maybe one of the reasons why uh, she found favor with God, maybe because she was completely yielded to God. Maybe that was a hard posture. But here we see, she says, I'm wholly devoted to you as your bond slave, and may it be done to me as you desire. So if we just take a step back and look at this thing, what kind of king is this passage talking about? This baby, what kind of king is he? And you'll see that on your slide. He is born of a virgin. There is no one more human like him. There is no one. That's what verse 31 tells us. He is Jesus. He's the God who saves there is no one who we need more than him, says verse 31. He is great. There is no one in this world who is worthy of more admiration than him. Verse 32 says, he is the son of God. There is no one more divine than him. Verse 30, 32 and 33, he is a king. There is no one more regal or powerful than him. Verse 33, we see also, he is forever. There, there is no one who will reign longer than him. And verse 35, he is holy. There is no one more purer than him. That is the king. And he has made an entrance into this world. That was announced and that's the good news of Christmas. All of this packaged together in this baby who is going to be born and then who is the king. And so in Christmas, that is basically what we celebrate. The king who has come in all of his glory, born of a virgin Mary, named Jesus, the one who saves, great, the son of God, the king forever and holy. And if this king has come, the question then becomes, how do we respond? How do we respond? What is our response to a king like this? There might be a couple of responses, but some of you may never have recognized this king, perhaps. And you have maybe rebelled against this king. Now, by the authority of God's word, I can tell you that he is offering an amnesty. He is offering an amnesty. He is inviting you to lay down your arms if you're rebelling against him. Regardless of how much you have rebelled, Jesus says, come into my kingdom. Accept my rule. I will forgive your sins. I will clothe you with righteousness. I will give you peace. That's the offer if you haven't recognized this king. So if you haven't, may I plead with you. May I call on you 
to recognize this king and bend your knee to this king because he alone is worthy of all admiration, worship, and praise. Now, if you have recognized the king, may I suggest that like those of us who have recognized the king, that we commit to saying as Mary did, I will be your bond slave. I will be wholly devoted to your will. Now you might ask, how do we devote ourselves to his will? How do we move towards living under the kingship of Jesus in every area of life? Now, the whole Bible basically tells us what, what it's all about. How do we align our lives to that of God's desires? But I just want to uh, go to a familiar verse here that kind of brings it in a capsule form. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So, if you look at those three, four things, teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that kind of tells us what scripture is useful for, but it also tells us this process of how it works. First of all, the teaching. We are taught. When we line up our life against this teaching, then we recognize our shortcomings. We are reproved. We find where we fall short. Then scripture is used for correction, to tell us what needs to be done to be devoted to his will. And then it talks about training in righteousness, tells us how we stay on the path of righteousness. This is how we can, one way of thinking about how we can give ourselves wholly to God's will, to hear his word and do his word. As we submit ourselves and sit under the word, and let God's word have a way with our lives, then we are open to his teaching, open to his reproof, open to its correction, and open to its training in righteousness. And that allows us to be wholly devoted and be a bond slave to God, just as Mary was. But maybe you're coming into this Christmas season with very little hope in your particular life, situation, or circumstances. Maybe the burden is heavy, it is unbearable, in different forms they come in all of our lives. Maybe you're coming into the season with little joy in your circumstances, facing one disappointment after another. Maybe we're coming into the season desiring peace in our relationships or in our circumstances. It may be any number of things. Mary's world would have been rocked by the news she received that a conception before marriage in that society that was unusual, though it was miraculous. But she had the assurance that God was with her and that nothing was impossible with him. So her response was, I am your bond slave. I give myself wholly to do your will and what you want me to do. Tim Keller, the well-known pastor, started or planted Redeemer Presbyterian Church uh, in 1989 with about 50 people. It grew to be 5,000 people uh, by the time he, he stepped off the pulpit to pursue other efforts in church planting and so on. 
Uh, he was, obviously he is, and we perhaps have read his books, a very influential pastor and a Christian leader. Early in 2020, he was diagnosed with cancer. And two days ago, here was his tweet. I have stage four pancreatic cancer, but it is endlessly comforting to have a God who is both infinitely more wise and more loving than I am. He has plenty of good reasons for everything he does and allows that I cannot know, and therein is my hope and strength. His hope and strength in the face of stage four pancreatic cancer is a trust in God, the king who reigns forever, who is infinitely more wise and loving than he is or can ever be, and infinitely more loving and wise for us than we are or can ever be. The unusual arrival brought forth the unusual king. King Jesus, who will reign forever. He is fully human. He is acquainted with our suffering. He is fully divine, and with him nothing is impossible. He is Jesus, God who saves us from the predicament that we're in. So let us worship him this Christmas season with Mary's response. I am your bond slave. I will do what you want me to do with all of my life because you are my king and my God and because nothing is impossible for you. Gracious God, we thank you for this announcement. Thank you for it has been fulfilled. Thank you for the king you are. Thank you for coming to rescue us. With hearts full of gratitude, we desire to be like Mary, to be wholly devoted to your will. Help us, Lord, in this fallen world with our natures. We struggle, and Lord, we desperately need your help. Enlighten us where we need enlightenment. Awaken us, and Lord, establish our ways so that it may be found to be one like Mary, wholly resolved to be submitted to your will and your ways. For your glory and for our good, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We do have our time of response uh, in prayer. So as the prayer team would come forward, if you have a particular need uh, to share in prayer or to be prayed with, please come forward. It might be a need. It might be something of an item of praise. Whatever that might be, we are encouraged. We are called to come boldly to the throne of grace where we can find help in time of need. Come forward and pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bayou City family, visit us online at bayoucityfellowship.com or download the Bayou City Fellowship Cypress app to find community in the body of Christ.